Welcome to Welcome to Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 2, Episode 10, Heartbreak City. Yes, this episode was directed by Michael Zinberg, who, this is his first Charmed episode, but he'll do some more. And written by David Simpkins, and this is his only Charmed credited episode. Which is weird to me because the creative team makes it seem like this episode is a one-off. But in fact, there are two pretty major elements of Phoebe that get set up in this episode. Yeah, there there are things that will follow Phoebe, unfortunately, through the rest of the show. Oh. Which, it's weird they don't bother me here. Like, the two things, it's not great, but... Okay, well, it bothered me here, specifically the whole Phoebe has shut herself off from love, and this is tragic, and she needs to be taught slash reminded how to love again. Get ready for this. This is going to be Phoebe's plot every, what, 14 episodes later on. But it doesn't feel earned to me. That has not been an issue with phoebe even in this episode which we'll get to it so we open with two randos who are coming out of a business office yes one of those randos is a blonde woman who wait no get ready for this she's going to be okay spoilers she does get attacked by a demon yes but not in a murder way yes she doesn't get murdered because it's a love demon or a hate a- demon. Well, remember, hate's just the other side of love. Yeah, that's what they tell us. This is Cindy and Max. Mm-hmm. And they are co-workers, and they want to get a little after hours working in. They're that going... Was, that was a terrible... <laughs> They're going for overtime. There you go. I just want to point out that Cindy looks like a cross between... Jenny McCarthy and Tori Spelling. Ooh. Ooh. That's good. That's good. I was going to say she has kind of a harmony-ish quality about her. Oh, I can see a little bit of that in there, too. Yeah, yeah. harmony from Buffy. Did you know we like Buffy? We might have mentioned it once or twice. So the two of them are flirty. You know, she's... God, I don't know. They've Neither one of these people really have personalities. I guess they work in the same office, but... Well, they have informed personalities, which we'll get right now. So, this guy, and... I I swear to God, I thought it was Leo at first, because he looks kind of like Leo, and he dresses like Leo with a kind of shapeless beige overcoat and you know well he's wearing a white overcoat and a red shirt because he's cupid (sighs) but all i could think is that he looks so schlubby it just reminds me of every tinder date where i've put on heels and a dress and the guy's shown up in jeans and a t-shirt like Put a modicum of effort in. Well, I can't see him. That has to kind of make you not want to dress well at all. I mean, I I shaved today, but I had a massive, massive quarantine beard for a pretty long time because I basically never leave the house. I'd imagine being invisible is like that. I guess. I guess. 
Anyway, this is Cupid. They can't see him. This and is a Cupid. Yes. Although, yes. He goes up to the woman, Cindy, and he tells her, I know you've been hurt before, but don't be afraid to open up to Max. This is, like, real. It's okay. And he whispers to Max, I know that your ex-wife broke your heart, but love is out there in the universe. You just need to be open to Cindy. He tells them YOLO. God. And then, but, like, mystically tells them YOLO. He actually says life is short. And then he flashes his ring at them because we, the audience, need to know that the Cupid power is inside the ring. Okay, so... You know what? I'll talk about it more when uh, when we get to him explaining what Cupid's deal is to Phoebe and kind of the other two sisters. But Cupid's have to have, like, the easiest job ever. It seems like he basically doesn't have to do anything. I think his big job is that he has to find the people who need the nudge. Because his deal is he finds two people who kind of need a nudge to get together. And he sways their heart, right? So... She's not sure if she can trust this guy or if he's still in love with his ex-wife. So he just gives her a nudge and, like, give it a shot and... Little psychic push. Yeah, a little psychic push. He's basically cutting the middleman out of every rom-com. Yes, he's just floating around clearing up those third act misunderstandings. A noble job. So he leaves content in the fact that sydney and max are definitely going to bone cindy 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 and max are definitely going to bone when ruh oh it's dar's goal drazi drazi yeah drazi comes and attacks him drazi is a hate demon who is super mad at this cupid for some reason honestly i don't know if he's specifically a hate demon i think he's just a regular demon who has hate? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that more when we find out what his deal is. But he's like, hey, dude, you really effed me up. Like, you ruined my life. So in exchange, and the keeper's like, you're going to kill me. And he's like, no. Well, yes, I am going to kill you. But I'm going to do it slowly and in a really overcomplicated fashion. I'm going to show you what it feels like to have your heart ripped out. And then he takes Cupid's ring and I just have to say that Drazi, this demon who cannot love, Cupid will say later they cannot love. I said they can love, just it's... We'll talk about that when he says it. My point was, if this show was airing today, there would be a huge Tumblr fandom around this guy, like, with all of these stories about being the girl that makes him love. Mm. Yeah, this this is definitely the sort of guy who would attract that kind of fandom. I'm honestly surprised Cole was their only uh, real trying to bite that particular apple. Like, I know they have that whole thing with Drake, and don't get me wrong, I love me some Billy Zane, but that is not the same thing as a bad boy demon guy who can't love or can only evil love, which is different than good love. Cole is so great. 
I, I, I'm so anxious to get to coal. And you're right, it's weird that they didn't try to dip back into the coal well, as it were. Especially given how often Charmed recycles plots. Like, you'd think that we would have had another coal, given how popular that was. Yeah, that is surprising now that you mention it. Hmm. 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 So. So the demon takes the ring and he's off to go do wicked things with it, which will slowly but surely kill Cupid. But first he'll feel like his heart has been ripped out. Mm. You know, you could just cut out the middleman and rip out his heart and kill him. Just, you know. I guess it's not ironic enough or whatever, but... Yeah, exactly. He needs to kill him ironically. <laughs> so... Someone needs to read that uh, super villain handbook that was floating around the internet and was probably funny for like... 15 seconds in the 90s it was like the very first meme so we cut to the charmed ones leaving a movie theater they have gone to see love story which seems like such a cop-out to me like love story isn't even that romantic it's really just super sad and they wanted to have them be watching a romantic movie. I feel like somebody should have done the research and picked a different movie to be playing. Okay, so there's this really, really terrible comic called Catwoman, Guardian of Gotham. Okay. And the premise is good. The premise of the comic is good. It's what if instead of Batman, Catwoman was the superhero who protected Gotham. Okay. But instead of being like, hey, how would someone who came from a low-income family who, like, had to fight for everything that she got, how would she protect Gotham? Instead, they basically just make her Batman. So, But like, with a cat motif instead of a bat motif? But with a cat motif instead of a bat motif, and she has, like, the rich parents in the movie that they were seeing the night that uh, they were shot uh -huh. instead of Mask of Zorro is Curse of the Catwoman. Uh-huh. Which... I'm pretty sure is a movie about a woman who's, like, hypnotized to be a serial killer or something. Like, it, I, I don't think it actually has anything to do with, like... Yeah, because Zorro actually is an Avenger. Like... He's a, he's a vigilante. I, I might be getting the plot of Curse of the Catwoman wrong, but it's really clear that the writer just chose it because it had Catwoman in the title. Mm. And also, it's it's a it's a terrible book. Uh, Doug... Doug Mowick, Mo Monick, I, I don't know. He's one of those writers who is so deeply up Batman's ass, it's just impossible to read anything by him. Uh, and it's drawn by um, Adam What's-His-Bucket. Adam What's-His-Bucket? The guy who... Jim Ballant, I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought Adam. Jim Ballant, who I know you like on the classic Catwoman book, but his... I do, I do. He eventually kind of pivoted into drawing... Well, he pivoted into drawing Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, which is more or less just really, really violent porn. And I mean, I grew up on Jim Ballant Catwoman. I had a Jim Ballant Catwoman poster hanging in my in my room for the longest time. Purple suit. Yeah, of course. Catwoman Guardian of Gotham is sort of his midway stopping point between uh between drawing actual Catwoman and drawing witch porn mm, okay speaking of witch porn charmed but oh yeah hey so the charmed ones did not go to this 
romantic movie. Alone. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Prue is there with Jack, and Piper is there with neighbor Dan, and Phoebe is the fifth wheel because her date bailed. Yeah, yeah. Not that she didn't have a date. Not that she isn't actively looking for a dude, but her date bailed. And she actually says it seems like dudes are canceling on her all the time lately. Boy, was that not seated at all. I know. So do you want to talk about what's going on with the wardrobe? Okay. 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 So Shannon Doherty wins for worst outfit overall, right? I mean, she's wearing a giant blanket. Like, it's a poncho, but it's... It's not an attractive poncho. It's like the poncho that Ugly Betty wears in the first episode when she doesn't understand how to wear a poncho. And she's got her hair in, like, braids. And, but she has her hair in, like, two pigtail braids, okay? Phoebe has her hair in, like, little... Ringlets? Well, like like tiny braids, like yeah. Bo Derek braids, but not the whole head, just a few of them scattered about. And then she's wearing like this weird circlet headband. I don't know what's happening there. Which she is paired with a very, very fuzzy pink sweater, purple sweater. Yeah. pink. It's between pink and purple, but yeah, it's a mohair sweater. It does not go at all with what the head of her body is doing. I... I, the sweater I don't hate. It, it actually looks really cozy. And she's wearing two-thirds of a pant. Yeah, she's wearing capri pants that have a giant lace cuff. And uh, Piper looks fine. Pipe, fine. Piper's <laughs> fine. They don't really put Piper in ridiculous outfits at all. I think it's because she's supposed to be like the least glamorous sister, but that mostly means that she doesn't end up looking ridiculous most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So they're all going to have a post-movie coffee. Except, I mean, they are actually going to a coffee shop. I mean, you said it like it was going to be sex, which... It it is for two out of... It is for everyone but Phoebe, which is probably why Phoebe decides to duck out. Yeah, but they're not going to have sex right in the coffee shop. They are actually going to have coffee first. Coffee, then sex. Mm. I mean, we don't know. We don't see... uh... Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Phoebe's going to bail, as you said, because... She doesn't want to be the fifth wheel anymore. Also, while they were talking as they walked to the coffee shop, she mentioned that she hated the movie, that she fell asleep during the movie because it was so boring. Mm. Because that's how much she is bored by love right now. How much she rejects love. Which everyone talks about. The the women love the movie because it was so romantic, which I haven't seen Love Story, but like you said, I, I think of it more as a sad movie than a romantic movie. Yeah. And Jack says that uh, he prefers John Wayne movies because he's a he's a, he's a man, you know. Were any of these people allowed to like movies that were made in the last like three years? Seriously, like, and this isn't the first time. Like when there was that guy who traveled back in time to kill people to stop the warlock vaccine from being developed. Oh yeah, they were also going to a revival in that episode when they were seeing a movie. They they weren't seeing a current movie. Do you think they were afraid to have them seeing current movies because they were worried that it wouldn't be something that would hold up? Maybe. Or maybe they just didn't want something that they didn't own? Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, before Phoebe can leave, but after the other four have, you know, gone to get coffee. Wait, wait, wait. Are, are you going to talk about how 
She's walking by a mirror and she stops and stares at herself sadly in the mirror for a moment. I actually wasn't going to mention that. I was just going to say that she gets accosted by Cupid. But yes, she stares forlornly into a mirror and then Cupid accosts her and is like, we have to go back. Okay, so I'm just going to put this out there in the universe. If you want someone's help, maybe don't run up to them all sweaty and shaking and start shaking them and yelling in their face. Yeah. I feel like that sort of sends a bad message, but he's like, Phoebe, you have to help me. I'm Cupid and you're a witch and I know you're a witch. Help me. And then neighbor Dan helpfully grabs him and he's like, hey, back off, bro. You want to get my face, bro? I'll mess you up, bro. My lady's watching, bro. Okay, since you mentioned that Phoebe was looking in a mirror, I need to say what actually happens. Mm -hmm. Because he grabs her and he's like, Phoebe, I need your help. And I know why you can't find love. Which, what the hell? (laughs) Then Dan runs up to him and he runs out. And Phoebe, like, they, they run behind her and, you know, kind of push, neighbor Dan kind of shoves her out of the way just a little bit, you know, like a little nudge. And she faces the mirror and adjusts her sweater before (laughs) Prue and Piper come up and are like, are you okay? That really feels to me like Alyssa Milano, like subconsciously adjusted her sweater and it it, it made it to the final cut. I need your help, you unlovable hag. I'm sorry. It's just his approach is terrible. Why would she help him? I love that you're fixated on how bad he is at asking for help, and I'm fixated on why is she so concerned with readjusting her sweater? She was just, like, accosted in public by a sweaty... Man. Man. I was trying to figure out if he was bleeding, because the Drazi did reach into his chest, but he did it magically, so he wasn't bleeding. Mm. By a sweaty, schlubby man. So we get the credits, and then it's San Francisco, but only for a little bit this time. It's really, uh, really not doing the whole 40 seconds of uh, intro footage, which is nice. Hey, they've got a lot of plot to fit in there now. Do they? No. No, they really don't. In fact, instead of showing lots of shots of San Francisco, they show Phoebe wandering around the house, realizing that no one came home. Maybe this was just to build the song, but... this Okay, the song, it didn't feel like it really fit Charmed. It's not the kind of song we would normally hear in Charmed, and I really liked it. Honestly, it feels like a a bronze song. Yes. It does feel like a song that would be playing in the bronze in Buffy to set a mood. Should I look up what it was since we mentioned it? Sure. It's okay if you can't find it. Can't. I The fandom usually has it, and... Uh usually lists what the songs were in the episode, but it didn't, and uh, I tried Googling random lyrics, and it wasn't helpful. Yeah, I don't know if there was, like, a deal with the woman who sang it or something, or and since a brief bout of Googling, which got edited out of this, uh, turned up nothing, apparently it wasn't a particularly fruitful uh, advertising, if it was. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody mentioning which song was used in this episode, and I also googling the lyrics couldn't find what the song was so eh. i actually had the issue with buffy kind of a lot when uh, uh there there were, there were a few songs that got played uh at the bronze which i wanted to buy mm-hmm. like she by louis says which were just impossible for me to find for a few years there oh yeah you know in the uh 
in the pre-internet days or or the early days of the internet when it wasn't easy to just hop on YouTube and get songs. Yeah. The I remember my big thing was the movie Empire Records. Yes. The soundtrack for Empire Records is grossly insufficient. So I was I spent a lot of time trying to track down, you know, the actual soundtrack to Empire Records, the actual all of the songs that are played in that movie. It always, it really bothered me when I was younger. I, I had the CD for the movie version of Bye Bye Birdie. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, uh, they play, they do a slightly different version of uh, Give Me One Last Kiss, where it's just Conrad Birdie going, ah, ah, ah. But on the CD for the movie soundtrack, they have these backup ladies that go, yeah, 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 uh-huh. over his ah, ah, ahs, and it drove me nuts. Because, I don't know. I don't know. It bothered me so much. I'm like, it's better if it's just him doing it. And also, uh, I forget who I was talking to about it when I was a little kid. But they wouldn't believe me that it was different on the CD than it is in the movie. They were like, no, it's it's just the same song. And I'm like, it's not, though. Why wouldn't they, that's, why wouldn't they believe you? No, I, I believe that. But anyway, uh, Phoebe is wandering around a big empty house. She's so very lonely. She's a lonely, lonely 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 girl a lonely heart the phone rings and she picks it up and it's prue calling from jack's place where she spent the night but they did not bone they just talked and i know that you think that just randomly running up to somebody who's help you want and shaking them and screaming in their face is not a good way to get their attention Mm -hmm. so how do you feel about Breaking in their back door and surprising them from behind. You know, also would not recommend. This Cupid is terrible at asking for help. So he interrupts Phoebe on the phone. She drops the phone and kicks him in the face. And he's like, hey, do you uh, do do that to everyone who needs your help? And she's like, okay, why should I not assume that you're a demon and just kick you to death? And he's like... Uh, cause I knew the last time you got boned, that's something only a Cupid would know. Ugh. You know, he looks like, he looks like a slightly younger David Hasselhoff. He does. He also has serious, he also has serious Leo vibes. Like, he, he resembles him. Not so much in the face, but sort of in the build and in the mannerisms and the way they dress him. Yeah, I mean, as you say, they they definitely dressed him like Leo. But I, I see young David Hasselhoff there. Yeah, just in the face. Yeah. So, speaking of people who have boned Leo. Yes. Piper is next door at Neighbor Dan's place. And Neighbor Dan is bringing her breakfast again. This is like, what, the fourth time we've seen him do it in canon? He has a fetish for feeding women breakfast. Whatever floats your boat, dude, I guess. Although this time he brings her breakfast in bed. Mm. And also a jewelry box, which he is fast to tell her is not a ring. Which, I mean, given how aggressively he's been pushing this relationship... I wouldn't be surprised. He wanted her to move in, even though they've been dating for, like, what, a couple months, maybe? And they already live next door to each other. You don't need to be that close. But they start making out. It's it's a heart-shaped necklace, and mm. Piper loves it enough to start making out with 
neighbor Dan, but hey, he dropped a whole twenty five bucks on it at Claire's. I mean, I think it's clearly Zale's level at least. Mm, that's how you can tell he's serious. Yeah. Every zis begins with Zales. Is Kate Jeweler still a thing? I, yeah. I, okay. Yes. I I also wanted to make sure it wasn't just an East Coast thing. No, I'm I'm pretty sure Kate Jewelers is nationwide. I haven't seen an actual commercial, outside of the very few that are played on. Uh, which app is it? We have so many now. Uh, some of the Amazon TV shows, if they're IMDb TV as opposed to Amazon Prime, we have to watch with commercials. So we had to watch Bewitched with commercials. And also, we have not sprung for the commercial-free Peacock. So we have to watch Peacock with commercial. But it seems like the only people advertising on Peacock are Peacock advertising their other shows. So it's not a huge thing. I don't get Amazon Prime's video thing because there's some videos that seem like they're there, but I can't watch them. I don't know. It makes me feel old, which I don't like. It's also why I, it's also why I don't use Spotify because I'm like, I'm. I thought you're just supposed to be able to add songs to a list and then listen to it, but I can't do it. And everyone else on the, everyone else on Earth knows how to use Spotify, and I don't, and it makes me feel old, and I don't like it. Oh, you're such a dad now. Although I, I've never tried to use Spotify because I don't actually listen to that much music. And I'm pretty sure the deal with Amazon Prime is there are two types, broadly, of videos on there. Videos that you watch free with your Prime subscription and videos that you can watch on Prime if you pay for them individually. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they shouldn't come. Ugh, I don't like that. I mean, Amazon's super evil. We all know this. I but... was just going to say, Jeff Bezos isn't going to get to be the world's first trillionaire with you just watching all this stuff for free. Uh, too depressing also when i do spotify like i choose a song and then it just is like it creates a playlist based off of that song but it doesn't let me listen to the song and i'm like what am you're I doing? describing pandora are you sure you're not accidentally i know using it's pandora? not pandora i know it's not pandora i used to use pandora a lot i know it's not pandora <laughs> okay just checking just make a playlist on youtube that's what i do yeah i mean i just go to youtube when i want to listen to songs that that's how i do that but I mean, I, I listen to so little music. I, I I listen to the double clicks, and I pay for their music so I can download it. And six Hamilton. Yeah. Musicals in general. Yeah, musicals in general. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So Phoebe bursts into Piper's sex room with Dan, and Piper freezes her and. Phoebe's like, hey, so there's... Freezes, freezes Dan. Yes. Not not Phoebe, because as we discussed at length last uh, episode, good witches do not freeze. Yes, but Phoebe comes in and then she brings in the Cupid. I guess she had him wait in the hall so that he wouldn't get frozen because she just knew that Piper was going to freeze everybody. This is Dan's house, right? Yeah, this is Dan's house. Okay, because, I mean, I guess it makes sense. They're neighbors. It looks a lot like the Hollowell Manor. It's Dan's house, and actually, in the shot earlier where we could see his window, out the window you can see the house that's next door to um, the house across the street from the Hallowells. So mm. they they actually they they did pretty they did pretty consistent placement here. 
Phoebe brings in the Cupid, though, and apparently in between her kicking him and now, she stopped and listened to him, and he told her that he is being hunted by this demon, Drazi. They went up to the Book of Shadows. She confirmed that Drazi is a demon in the Book of Shadows, and that was good enough for Phoebe. So now she came over to get Piper, and Piper's like, okay, well, get out of here so I can unfreeze Dan and make out a little bit, and then I'll meet you at the manor. Mm. So Piper gets back into place. I appreciate her not just unfreezing in a completely different part of the room because it seems like she kind of does that a lot. Yeah, she does. And she's like, hey, Dan, I know it seemed like you were about to get laid again, but I have to go. And he's like, wait, what happened between you being you being pretend excited about my terrible necklace, which I spent almost a full minute negging before giving to you yeah he was like if you don't like it you can return it i won't i won't be offended if you tell me you hate it what is that don't do that but (laughs) i i do love how she's like no i totally love it from his point of view she's like no i totally love it but i have to go immediately bye she won't tell him why she has to go and she's just like it has nothing to do with you don't worry about it I just, I know you don't want to tell him you're a witch, but just make something up. Like, maybe you just remembered that you were supposed to do something with Phoebe that morning and you realize she's going to be really mad at you. Like, just make something up. God. I just remembered I left the iron on and I don't trust Phoebe to turn it off. Eh, I don't know. I'd, I'd go with, I remembered I was supposed to do something with Phoebe this morning. Yeah. Oh, no, or something for the restaurant. Wait, she's still at the re- No, the club. Yeah, the club. they're at P3 now. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered I need to do something at the club. Right? There's an order at the club waiting for me, payroll or whatever. So we cut to a very artistic shot of a teacup spying on the couple from the cold open. Yes, we see Cindy and Max through the window of a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And then... God, I miss coffee shops. Oh, I know, right? And we see the teacup, and the hand holding it has the Cupid ring. And the Cupid ring glows green instead of red. (gasps) Green, the color of anti-love. Right. And the couple walks outside, and we follow them across the... We follow them through the windows outside, and then we can see Drazi in the mirror. Yeah, there's a mirror in this coffee shop sitting in the chair across from him, I guess. It's the mirror that Phoebe was checking herself out in. Did he buy it? Is it? Because it's facing a completely different direction now. Wait, I, I and okay, okay, this is the coffee shop that they were going into. Yeah. So the mirror is just facing a different direction now. I don't know. Maybe somebody moved it. Okay, fine. So back at the I ha- mean, like this is a really well set up shot. Yes. It's really well choreographed, and I'm sure it took a while to get it right. And I don't want to, I don't want to nitpick it. We, I don't want to downplay how impressive it is. Yeah, it is really good cinematography. There, there are some very good shots in this episode. We go back to the manor where Cupid is wearing a, I don't know, giant 
10-year-old boy sweater. Well, it's the same sweater that he was wearing underneath his gigantic white overcoat before. But yeah, it's it's red with like a stripe across the chest, a white stripe across the chest. He's not a small dude, but it's very big on him, which makes him look kind of like a kid. It's way oversized. I don't know why he's wearing such a big sweater. Yeah. So he uh, he needs to prove that he's Cupid to the other two sisters now. And to Phoebe again, even though she was already pretty solid on it, but eh. So he turns to the girls and just lists all the men they've ever loved. And Phoebe has such a huge list that her sisters are like, whoa, Phoebe, what's wrong with you? Loved romantically, not physically. Yes. I mean, obviously the implication is that it was physical love, but... I do like that he points out... Not Jeremy for Piper. Yes, not the warlock. Yep, not the first warlock we ever saw on the show. Plus, we get an Andy mention. Yes, yes, he, he names Andy as somebody that Prue loved, which is right. Although I don't believe he mentions Roger. No, he does not mention Roger, Prue's fiancé from before the show started. I do want to point out... He mentions Clay, but he mentions Clay when he's talking about the guys Prue loved, even though Clay is Phoebe's ex-boyfriend. I'm going to assume that's a different Clay. Yeah. Or uh, someone made a mistake and forgot who Clay was dating because... Yeah, but I don't want to... Yeah. What I want to focus on is how, after he rattles off this long list to Phoebe, she says, I didn't love all those guys. And he says, yeah... But they all loved you, but your heart was closed. Dude, I... Okay, I'm just going to put this out there in the universe. Cupids have the easiest goddamn job out there. Like, oh, you met someone who you're vaguely attracted to? Ring nudge. Now I'm going to go smoke weed and watch Looney Tunes with my other celestial pals. Like... White lighters seem like they have a legitimately hard job. Cupids just kind of mess around. And, like, the first time you see someone you, like, first time you see someone you're vaguely into, job done. Well, I don't like him blaming Phoebe for not having met her soulmate yet because she doesn't love people in the right way. Also, she's, like, 23, dude. Calm down. Right? Let her kind of play the field for a little while. Yeah, she's not open to love, which is asinine. I mean, I guess the point is, oh, she dates too much, but she's not serious about any of these guys. Uh, Yeah, it it feels really shaming of Phoebe. I I don't like it. Cupids don't get better as the show goes on either. Just a heads up on that. (laughs) Phoebe ends up with a Cupid named Coop, and he's like, he's the worst. He's terrible. So, Piper... He's sexually attracted to her, even when she's wearing minimal makeup. Uh, it's true love! We'll get to that in a couple of years. Mm. So, speaking of terrible relationships, Piper asks if this Cupid was responsible for her and Leo, and he tells her that Cupids aren't allowed to create forbidden love. That came from them. Okay, so they have a job that happens even when they don't do anything. Yup. Okay. Okay, that's... That is correct. Are they like, did you see the movie Storks? 
the Storks movie about Storks. I didn't watch the Storks movie about Storks. I'm familiar with it, but I did not watch it. Okay. I did, because I like Andy Samberg. Sure, sure. And I do... Also, they had a gay couple in it, and I feel obligated to watch any movie that has a gay couple in it. Okay, but wasn't it just, like, for a second in the background? Yeah. Well, it it was at the end when they're doing a montage of people who are getting babies from Storks. Okay. Uh, But, actually, they had a few gay couples, but... I do appreciate that that universe established that that storks were one of several ways people could get babies. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, okay, so does sex not exist in this universe? Or so I guess it's the same deal here with love, where like some love comes from cupids, but other love comes from just interacting with people. Well, it's like death in Sandman. She doesn't show up for every person who dies. She just has to do it at the thematically appropriate moments so that death continues to move as a natural process. Mm. Okay, I have to say it, and I feel like now is as good a time to say it as any. Mm -hmm. You know what I couldn't stop thinking about while I was watching this episode? What? The worst episode of Daria, Death Takes a Holiday. I have some affection for it i know it's widely loathed but yes for the spirit of valentine's day comes to lawndale yes yes and saint patrick's day because guy fox day and christmas and halloween have left holiday island to start a band (laughs) it is really really awful and it doesn't fit into the rest of you know daria at all because it is in no way a fantasy show It's a weird episode. It's a really weird episode. Honestly, I kind of dislike uh, the later one where Daria's having a dream about Kevin being murdered, and it's like a parody of all these different mystery shows. Oh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that one either. Murder, She Snored. Yeah, it's just really bad. I feel like Depth, Depth Takes a Holiday hangs together better, but... This is, this is what... I used my brain for, by the way, knowing the names of the titles of all of the episodes of Daria. Oh, back to Charmed. I did really like that take on Cupid, though. And that he had legitimately useful powers, unlike St. Patrick's Day. I mean, he was the only one who really seemed like he had powers. Halloween and, uh, Halloween and, uh, Christmas and Guy Fawkes Day just were, you know, well, it was weird because he was a holiday, but he was also essentially Cupid. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he basically got uh, Mr. and Mrs. Morgendorfer out of the way by making them super horny so Daria would have free reign to help the holidays out. See, I'm just saying, that episode doesn't really hang together that well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Honestly, he kind of had better powers than the Cupids have on this show. Yeah, it's true. Uh... This Cupid just has a ring that nudges people. Until later when Cupids can time travel for some reason. Eh, why not? Also, I, can Coop teleport or does it just feel like everyone in the show can teleport all the time? I don't remember. I guess we'll have to fig- we'll have to see when we get there. I don't remember if he can teleport or not. I think maybe he can. There was a Cupid TV show, wasn't there? Where he had like a gun that shot love or whatever. And his whole thing was, like, the Greek gods were dying or something, and he had to help people believe in love again, and therefore give the Greek gods powers again. 
That sounds possible. That sounds very plausible. Okay, I'm like really sure that there was a TV show about Cupid, but he had a gun that shot love. Or do we have to Google this now? I guess we do. Cupid, 2009, ran for... Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, ran for one season in 1998. Mm -hmm. Trevor Hale is an attractive, sarcastic, and irreverent man who claims to be Cupid, the Roman god of love, and has descended from Mount Olympus to work on Earth. He tells psychiatrist Claire Allen that he was sentenced to Earth to due time, and his mission is to unite 100 couples without using any godlike powers. Dr. Allen, who does not believe in Cupid, risks her career by releasing Trevor from the mental hospital so he can try to achieve his goal. Trevor, who gets a job as a bartender, regularly disrupts Claire's group therapy sessions. Okay. Okay. Created by Rob Thomas. Ah. Creator of Veronica Mars and iZombie. That was what I was thinking of, although there's another show later that has a really similar premise. Uh, Starring Jeremy Piven as Cupid. God, remember when they were trying to make Jeremy Piven happen? He got pushed so much for a while there. Speaking of Daria, there's a joke in Daria, uh, in um, the one with, is it Deb? Or Val. Oh yeah, yeah, Val. I, um, I don't remember the Jeremy Piven joke. I think it was just about how they're constantly trying to make him happen. He should have gotten the uh, the stonecutters to help him out. Yeah. Oh, no. This show was revived in 2009. Okay, but, like, similar premise, right? Like, because I think this is the one I was thinking of when they... they... Uh, and it's just, it's just the same show, right? It's the same premise. It's... A reworking of Rob Thomas's series Cupid, which follows the adventures of a modern-day guy who may be a reincarnation of the fabled god of love. And, uh, yeah, yeah. This time, the psychiatrist is played by Sarah Paulson. I'm pretty sure she's a love novelist, or she's, a, like, a romance novelist in this incarnation of it. Instead of a, instead of a doctor? Yeah, I remember a bit where, uh, to prove that cupid's really a god like his mom aphrodite uh comes to earth and she's she explains the situation to her and the novelist is like oh i i I don't believe you so aphrodite touches her on the shoulder and gives her an orgasm oh oh my i'm so confused that this show ran in 1998 and then in 2009 they were like let's just do literally the exact same thing let's just reboot that show and give it to rob thomas again what rob thomas was really pulling for this i guess so although i i could see it being like if someone was like hey why don't we try cop rock again oh i'd i would i would i'd be into it if people tried cop rock again i am so well i gotta track this down we gotta watch this, both of them. Yeah, I'm sure they're probably streaming somewhere, right? I, we can, we can figure it out. The, this reboot, by the way, only had seven episodes. Ugh. So it'll be a quick watch through. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the 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 1998 series only had 15 episodes. Can you imagine getting a second bite at this project you're very invested in for some reason, and it getting cut even shorter? 
God. Hey, you know where we can find this series? Where? Amazon Prime. God. Okay, well, I know what our next podcast is. It's Welcome to Cupid. We should call it Welcome to Heartbreak City. Oh, yeah. The name of this episode. The one we're talking about now. Oh, right. We were talking about (laughs) Charmed. We really... So Cupid tells them that what's happening is Drazi is going to use the ring to undo all of the couples he's put together. Thereby killing him. Thereby killing him. But worse than that, killing the girl's ability to love. (gasps) Which he says is a fate worse than death. Okay, maybe calm down, dude. Also, it's just romantic love, right? Like, yeah. Like, it's not fraternal love or, you know, one of the other kinds, because there's, like, what, seven kinds of love? Sure. You, you remember yeah, that, I, right? Yeah, I, like, I do, There's lots of different kinds of love. Feel, uh, filial love, that's the one I was thinking of, not fraternal love. I mean, it means the same thing, but, like, there's lots of different kinds of love, so maybe... Maybe calm down a little bit, Cupid. Do you think there are Cupids for these other kinds of loves? And, like, you know, if a, I don't know, woman needs help connecting to her baby, there's a Cupid who goes around hospitals shooting connection rings at... No, I think the storks do that. I'm honest to God surprised that there wasn't a later episode of Charmed where it turns out babies are brought by storks and the storks are just sexy women who wear white and like little fake wings or whatever that really does seem like a charmed plot that we missed out on absolutely well later in charmed we find out that there are also guardian angels who are somehow separate from both white lighters and cupids and leprechauns because leprechauns are the source of all luck oh god i yeah so there's just the celestial highway is just jammed up in charmed world it really bothers me that there are both white lighters and guardian angels but that's that that's that's a discussion for later when we meet guardian angels Mm. so we see cindy and max on a date and drazi shows up although they can't see him just like they couldn't see a cupid and he's like hey hey cindy max doesn't love you hey hey max cindy's a gold digger god yeah drazi's like hey what's the what's the most cliche things i can think of to break this couple up hey cindy he only wants you for sex hey max she only wants you for money and then cindy's like oh my god i can't believe you just wanted to stick it into me and he's like Oh my god, I can't believe you were after my money, you gold digger, which... And then he runs off in the street in disgust, yelling at her, and immediately gets hit by a car. And she's like, good, I hope you die. Drazi didn't cause that, by the way, that just happened. Uh, Also, she works in the same office as you. I don't know what your respective jobs are, but I can't imagine that your salaries are that different. I mean, they probably are because, well, I mean, you know, sexism, but... He's probably above her in the hierarchy, so it's not just that she's a gold digger, it's that she's looking to advance. I mean, that's probably what's going on in his head. Well, nothing's going on in his head right now because he got hit by a car. Drossy did very little work to make this happen. Maybe they weren't a great couple to begin with. Well, as you pointed out, Cupid did very little work to put them together, so... Okay, so does he only get hurt because, you know, after 
Max gets hit by a car and she's like, good, I hope you die. We see Cupid going in the Hollowell house and he kind of falls down the stairs a little bit. The way the shots are set up, it does make it look like he's in pain because Max was hit by a car. But no, he's in pain because... No, because they broke up. Right. Okay. But the shots are aligned in such a way that it implies that it's the car accident that caused him pain. But we know that's not the case. Uh, I wasn't trying to imply that. Oh, okay. I I know he's in pain, which leads into my next point. Does this only happen when people are mystically broken up by his ring? Or does every time a couple he sets up not work out, does he go, oh, 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 and fall over? Oh my god, every time a couple says, I don't believe in love, a Cupid dies. (laughs) Clap your hands if you believe in love. Hey, you remember that live version of Peter Pan that went so terribly with Christopher Walken and Brian Williams' daughter? Yes. How they tried to, do, do you remember that they tried to get... I do believe in fairies trending on Twitter. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, at the point where Tinkerbell, you know. Oh, no. That didn't work, did it? How does Peter Pan not inspire more femme slash just, you know, given the way the show's set up? Between? Well, because Peter Pan's usually played by a woman, so. Oh. I'd imagine femme slashers would have a field day just with peter pan is it because peter pan is the most boring ass play on the face of the planet or no i mean i think i think peter pan is a much more useful way of reflecting in your high school and college years on the useless cishet men who surround you like you're not gonna write slash because peter is just the boy who wants a mother instead of a girlfriend. What's that thing Jack Donaghy talked about? Every man wants a sex mother. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Peter Pan is such a perfect metaphor for all the guys you meet in high school and college. I, I can't imagine writing sexy fiction about that because it's not sexy, guys. It's not sexy. Mm. I mean... Okay, I, I don't want to get into it. And you it. know what Tinkerbell is? An enabler? I, Tinkerbell's a cool girl. <laughs> She's the girl who can hang. Oh, uh, yes. She'll pound a beer with you. She cares about sports. Yeah, she'll put up with your bullshit and she won't care when you run off with Wendy and she'll still be there for you. Yep. Tinkerbell is a girl written by Adam Sandler. If Adam Sandler writes, if a woman could be created by Adam Sandler, it would be Tinkerbell. Well, Wendy is, and and Wendy is the uh, Julie Bowen who has to be married to. Yeah, it's it, it's Kevin James's hot wife, who hot mean wife, who he's tired of having sex with. Exactly. To, once again, to quote Thirty Rock. Boy, we really don't want to talk about this episode, do we? So the- it's so boring. Sorry, it's it's not that boring. It's fine. The Cupid is dying, and he says that Drazi is killing love. Dude, you're one of, like, a lot of Cupids. Yeah, he just means him. Drazi's killing him. Way to be dramatic, dude. Yeah, he's just killing you. Calm down. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Cindy is giving an interview to the police Uh about how he just walked into traffic like an idiot and, like... I hope he dies because he's a 
sack of crap because a little voice in my head said maybe he wanted to have sex with me. Maybe he shouldn't date her. She said he deserved to get hit by a car. I mean... I, not to victim blame, but also maybe it's not a good idea to walk backwards into traffic. Yeah, definitely not. All right, so... Now, now, Prue has a single little braid in her hair, and she has flowers in it? What are they doing? What? What is going on? I feel like hair and makeup was super bored on this episode, and they were just, like... Messing around. Messing around. So, luckily, since Phoebe had looked up Drazi in the Book of Shadows to confirm Cupid's story, they have the vanquishing... Potion. You know, ready for vanquishing. Yeah, and they show up here, and... I feel like this is one of the first times they've really used a potion for vanquishing. No, no, they've definitely used vanquishing potions before. Have they? Yeah. So they see Drazi and they give chase so that they can vanquish him with the potion. He's too far away, though, so I guess Prue will have to use her new power to voip in front of him. She uses her astral projection and her body kind of falls on the ground a little bit. Well, like she she like stumbles and she falls to her hands and knees and then bamps in front of him and learns that. Her astral body cannot use her telekinesis. She tries to telekinesis him, and it doesn't work, but her astral body apparently does have some physical presence because she picks up a piece of wood and just hits him instead. Okay, I, I guess that's fair that she can't use her telekinesis in her astral form. I, I guess. Yeah, and when she gets back to her body, she tells everyone else that you know she hit him with some wood he's down <laughs> chase after him and get him and then she tells uh, sh- and then she says to herself that she loves her new power which yeah. it's a pretty cool power after yeah. projection i mean honestly i feel like the telekinesis is still cooler but yeah so piper freezes him and phoebe throws the potion at him and vanquishes him yes he melts into a big old puddle of goo so I guess that about does it for this week. Yeah. Our sh- No, just kidding. No, just kidding. There was like half an episode left. So he's goo. Cupid doesn't have his ring, but it looks like the job is done. Maybe maybe go looking in the goo for your ring, dude. It's, it's probably there. Well, he looks at it and he says it should still be there. It shouldn't have been affected, but it's gone. I mean, you should... I know it's gross, but you should look in the goo to see if your ring's there. He can, he can tell it's not there. But it is there. That's how that that's how the guy doesn't die. Right. Well, it's not in the goo. I I think it became goo with him, and then it becomes a ring again. Ah, uh, that's. I was gonna say that's weird, but I guess his clothes turned into goo also. So yeah, it's it's like the whole cloth power from the White Wolf games, where if you're a werewolf, if you have the whole cloth power, then your clothes just go with you and you change form. Or like how in Buffy, when she stakes vampires, if they have any significant jewelry, it doesn't turn to dust, unlike everything else they're wearing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. What was it? It was like the, it was those rings that that one vampire cult had that she brought back to Giles after she staked them. I think it was in season three with Faith. Uh-huh. Where she's like, 
hey that's weird and she brought them to giles and he's like oh they're part of the order of whatever and gosh i wonder what the rules are for i mean i know it's there Buffy. are no there, rules it's never consistent but it's kind of weird that the you'd think vampires would leave their clothes behind right I'm, I mean, I I, fi- I figure it's probably a technology re- like yeah I mean it, it's yeah it was probably too expensive but I'd imagine normally vampires would just leave their clothes behind when you stake them yeah it's just easier to do the dust effect I'm sure on on everything yeah it's kind of fun to watch like really early Buffy and then late Angel to watch how the uh, dusting effects have changed how they got better and better yeah like you see gun dust in a vampire in the last season of Angel. And the guy's, like, squirming around, and he's, like, turning into a skeleton, and this skeleton turns into dust, and it's, like, then you go back to season one of Buffy, where she stakes a vampire, and it falls on the floor, and then just dust kind of poofs. Yeah, no, I like when they, in the later years, spent the time to, like, show the dusting to skeleton and then to dust. So, Cupid is like, oh no, I have to find my ring. I mean, they'll issue another one, but they charge you $15 for a new one. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, the problem is that he can't get home without the ring. But there's a spell in the Book of Shadows that'll take care of it. They just need to do some more stuff, and then they'll be able to get him home. Yeah, Phoebe needs to do the spell to get him home, which he's excited about, because now he gets to badger her about how she doesn't love the right way some more. She, She even says to him, did it ever occur to you that maybe I just need time maybe it's just not the right time for me to find love and he's like nope you have to love the way i say you have to love so as soon as they leave the black puddle of goo reforms into zardoz drax uh uh drazi drazi yeah drazi yeah drazi and he's like that was a hell of a thing he says he looks at the ring which is the reason he's still alive and says I guess you can't kill love after all. I guess love never dies, right, Andrew Lloyd Webber? Oh, oh, the ill-fated Phantom of the Opera sequel. It's great how he wrote an entire musical about how Sarah Brightman was stupid for leaving him. Which is weird, because if he would just watch Phantom, he would understand why she did. Apparently, in uh, newer versions of Phantom... In order to make them work in canon with Love Never Dies, uh-huh. the guy who plays uh, Eric, not 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 Eric, um, Raphael. Okay. Who, who's the who's the love interest? Uh, it's 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 Raul. Raul, yeah. The guy who plays Raul has to play him more scoundrelly, uh. so that it'll be more in line with love never dies where he becomes a drunk who abuses christine and doesn't love his son who is apparently the phantom son because apparently at some point in phantom of the opera she slept with him even though i'm i'm not a big phantom of the opera person but i'm fairly certain timeline wise that doesn't work out don't like it don't like it Ugh. so Back in Charmed. Ooh, Charmed. Something I want to talk about more than I want to talk about Love Never Dies. There we go. <laughs> Prue and Piper are at P3 with their respective boyfriends. While Phoebe is at home with a Cupid because she doesn't have a boyfriend. Guess she has to make the special whatever to send him back to Cupid land. She's like, oh, I hate being stuck at home while my sisters are out partying. And he's like, see, you do want love. And she's like, I 
fucking hate you. Maybe I just don't want to spend time with a guy who's constantly nagging me for no reason. Okay, now we get into why Drazi hates him, by the way. Drazi hates him because he, Drazi, loved a mortal woman and the Cupid decided that was no good. So he made the mortal woman fall in love with someone else. And Drazi's super pissed about this. Which I think makes sense. Absolutely. And Phoebe's like, wait, demons can love? And he says, frighteningly so. Just putting that out there. Yeah, Phoebe, demons can love. Maybe put that in your back pocket. Just hang on to that piece of information. Although, God, I just really don't like this Cupid. He says, yeah, demons can love. They love evil. They love fear. And sometimes they love the thing they hate, like mortals. And it's like, you're stretching. That's it. You're, you're stretching a lot, dude. And then he says, if a demon can learn to open his heart, maybe there's hope for you. Which... What? Like, what? And then he corrects her stirring because she's stirring erratically. And I'm like, maybe it's because you're hounding her. Yeah, she's stirring the potion angrily. And he's like, no, gently. Let me stand behind you like Patrick Swayze and Ghost and and turn your arm or whatever. And and apparently this is your standard travel potion, but it needs something extra. It needs an aphrodisiac. It needs chocolate and oysters and lavender. Yeah, that's really (laughs) gross. I would not want to drink that potion. Well, Cupid has to drink it, so it's okay. And Phoebe's like, I know this is supposed to be romantic, but if you don't stop touching me, I'm going to break your freaking arms. And he's like, ooh. You've got so much fire. And she's like, if you break out that, it's better to have loved and lost. And he's like, lean against me. Lean your head into my neck crevasse. Okay, so I don't like this because she smells the potion and she's like, oh, that smells good. And it's like, no, Phoebe, I guarantee you it does not smell good. I heard the ingredients. (laughs) And now she's going all romance heroine, as you said, leaning into his chest. And she's like, I just... Had to close my heart off to keep myself safe from people leaving. And you know what? She is totally within her rights to protect herself from all of the things that have happened to her. Let her heal, man. She just lost her dad last year, you know? You mean by discovering that he was a jerk? Yes. Yeah, I didn't mean dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he mentions, uh, he mentions you lost your mom, which, yeah, because she drowned. What does that have to do with romantic love? Right. I mean, like, the idea that you'd be afraid of people leaving you because her father left, that makes sense. But the idea that she's afraid of people leaving her because her mother left by dying, uh, it's a little iffier. Yeah. Especially since she never really got to know her mother, yeah. so. Yeah, her mom died when she was, like, a baby. Yeah. But he has the speechy speech about how love never leaves you, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes people leave you partway through the wood. Don't associate this terrible episode with that beautiful play. The thing is, this episode didn't bother me when we were just watching it. Honestly, it's one of those episodes where you kind of just blink and it's over. It did feel that way when we were watching it. Talking about it, it's like, God. All right, so 
Back at P3, I actually like this part. I normally hate Jack, but I, I, I'm coming around on him. Piper and Prue run off to the bathroom, which, by the way, they're standing in line for the restroom at P3. Are there no employee bathrooms? Piper literally owns this club. But I'm sure she has a bathroom in her office or whatever, right? Right? Anyway, they talk a little bit about neighbor Dan and, you know, what about Leo? And Piper's like, Leo's never going to happen. That's a relationship I'd be better off not thinking about. I'm just going to... I'm trying real hard not to use the word settle, but Dan's great, isn't he? And Prue's like, yeah, he's fine. But what about Jack? Jack's great, right? I mean, except for the part where I mostly hate him all the time. But other than that, I really, you know, I could see myself maybe possibly marrying him. I don't know. Sure, why not? I mean... What I, I see what Dan's good traits are. He has a fetish for bringing breakfast in bed. That's that's a good trait. He apparently can fix stuff around your house, which is the main thing the Hallwells look for in their men. He's generically handsome. Like, yeah. You could do worse than neighbor Dan. He's definitely not afraid of commitment. Yeah. But you know what? You could do a lot better than Jack. He's rich. He's a jerk. Yeah. Don't, I don't feel like people should hook up with jerks. To be fair, Prue is also a jerk. You know what? Fair point. Fair point. So, back with the guys. Uh, and, you know, I just, I just said this about Jack. This is one of the few times I actually like him. Because the guys are talking about how the girls are really weirdly secretive and obviously have some giant secret that they don't want to reveal. And Jack's like, um, well, it's really their business. So when Prue's ready to tell me, she'll tell me. And you should take the same tack with Piper. Otherwise, you're going to blow up this relationship. Honestly, I've been kind of Nathaniel Plimptoning Jack. How so? Well, I like him more in the past few episodes where his main thing has been that he's Prue's co-worker who's actually trying to get the job done and is very frustrated that Prue never seems to come to work and actually do her job. So you're coming around on him the way that we came around on Nathaniel in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yeah, once, uh, you know, once West Once Co- he opened his heart? I was going to say once West Covina completely broke him as a person. Yes. Then we were able to like him. I'm nice now. Honestly, by the end of the series, that's who I was shipping. I was I, That's who I was pulling for was Rebecca and Nathaniel. Well, they did a good job because in order to like Nathaniel, they had to completely break him as a person, which they did. And it worked. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why you can feel good about Dwight at the end of The Office. Because Dwight spends most of The Office as a terrible person. And then he just gets broken over and over and over again. And he preforms himself as someone you can be okay, you know. Being regional manager. Yeah. I don't think Jack's going to get broken, though. I think he's just going to get written off. Yeah, I honestly thought this was his last episode, but they're still together at the end of it, so maybe not. Oh. So, Cupid comes up and he's like, hey... Me and Phoebe were looking for Prue and Piper because the potion also needs a 
spoken part i mean for other reasons and dan's like don't i know you from like getting up in your face and yelling bro at you a lot yeah they just fought the night before and cupid hasn't changed his clothes how does dan not recognize him but cupid's like nope nope we don't know each other bye and uh dan's like that's the other thing there are always all these dudes at their house and jack's like and that bothers you and he's like yeah because I'm really threatened by Leo. And Jack's like, who's Leo? And Dan's like, we're not really friends, are we? We're just two guys who got left at a table together. Oh, but we see... Drazi. And he shoots his ring at them so that he can break up these couples. Because apparently it's due to Cupid's genius meddling... That Prue and Jack are together in the first place. And also neighbor Dan and and Piper. Piper. Okay, so basically, honestly, I feel like Leo should want to punch this guy in the face. Leo should also be on the... Yeah! Leo, Leo should be on Team Drazi here. Leo's plot is identical to Drazi's. He, he, Cupid, redirected Piper's love to a mortal man away from that which she was forbidden to be with. Oh... Yeah, see, that would have been a great episode. That would have been interesting. Leo could have teamed up with Drazi, and then it could have been about oh. responsibility and love and hate. And I, I was thinking it would have been a con- it would have been like a contrast thing where Drazi was trying to get Leo to join him because they have the same goal, and Leo doesn't because he's obviously the end game for Piper, even in this episode. God, it just, it would have been such a better episode if Leo had been involved. Yeah. How often am I going to say that? Not often. I feel like I like Leo a lot more than you do. I think that might be true. But Drazi uses his hate powers to trigger Jack and neighbor Dan and Prue and Piper. He's like, uh, you're just a rebound from Leo. And Prue doesn't actually like you. She's just dating you because you're convenient to Jack, but also to Dan, because that's also true. Drazi's basically the, uh... The... Dan Savage? No. No, no, he's Shattered Sight from the Snow Queen fairy tale. Oh, yeah. Although he's really... Uh, Yeah, yeah, because none of these things are inaccurate, yeah yeah like i'm disliking jack a lot less than i disliked him when he was first introduced but also he and prue have zero chemistry and i don't get why they're dating now it's that thing where i guess if a man and a woman spend enough time in proximity yeah in vague proximity to one another in a tv show they hook up even if there's literally nothing there it's it's the law it's not hard it's TV to TV law. It's not hard to have chemistry between characters. I mean, say what you will about Leo and Piper, but they have chemistry as a couple. That's true. That's accurate. I I buy their star-crossed lovers thing. To be fair, to be fair, thanks to the CW, now we have same-sex couples where they have no chemistry, but they spend a lot of time in the general proximity of one another. I was going to say I think Holly Marie Combs and Brian Krauss liked each other as people 
Yeah, they seem like they're still on pretty good terms post-show. Yeah, so that's probably part of why they had chemistry on screen. And Shannon Doherty has never gotten along with anyone on the... ever? It seems to be the case. Yeah. But also, Piper does not really have chemistry with Neighbor Dan. Neighbor Dan is attractive and there. Yes. He's generically handsome. You know what? Being generically handsome is not enough. Drazi... Drazi had some valid points. Oh, so Cupid feels the pain. He he sees that Drazi is undoing his his love spells, and the two couples start yelling at each other. They hate each other. You know. I I love how Dan's thing is like, hey, you're just dating me. I I've just realized that you're just dating me because it's convenient and. You still have a thing for Leo, and you still want Leo. And Piper's like, none of that is wrong! And, like, I mean, she chose him over Leo. He knows that, but whatever. I mean, no one wants to be a consolation prize, though. He's not a consolation prize. She chose him over Leo. She yeah. dumped Leo to focus on neighbor Dan. Yeah. I, I guess neighbor Dan doesn't know that she did it because he's less complicated than Leo. Yeah. But... Neighbor Dan has a bunch of valid points, but Jack and Prue are just like, I realize that there's no reason for us to be dating. Jack's like, you're just dating me because there was no one else around and now we're dating. Prue's like, yep. That is an accurate statement. Also, when Drazi is no longer using his magic powers on Dan, this is still going to be a sticking point for Dan for the rest of Dan's run on the show. So. Well, it's because, as you said, Piper and Leo are obviously endgame, so. Yeah. So, Cupid, after the couples have stormed out, fills in Phoebe that, oh, Drazi must have had the ring, the ring kept him from being vanquished, and oops, this sucks. Now, the only way that he can turn the tables on Drazi is to re-hook up couples that Drazi is breaking up. So we're going to send Cindy to the hospital with not roses because Max didn't get her roses that one time because they were out of roses or whatever. And uh, Phoebe has to do this. Phoebe has to use her empathy to... (sighs) Yeah, right? To Foreshadowing. To advise these couples. Mm. Yeah. More foreshadowing about how they should be together. Also, as we just learned from Google, this was the plot of the Cupid show, of Rob Thomas's Cupid show. Mm. Cupid had to get couples together without magic. So, does Cupid die later because discounting uh, Max and Cindy, none of these couples end up together? Well, I mean, that's the question, right? If they break up naturally, does that cause him pain? Or only if Drazi broke them up? Yeah. I think maybe he's okay if they break up as long as they date someone else immediately after, which is why the guys, as as the guys are so worried, there are always men in their house! That's why you need a... That's why you need a rotation. Chloe had it right on Don't Trust the Be in Apartment 23. She absolutely did. And and Cupid knows he's got to have some guy, you know, on deck. So, <sighs> Prue and Piper are back at home and they're like, isn't it weird how we came to all of these incredibly valid conclusions out of nowhere? And Prue's like, do you think maybe it was Drazi? And Piper's like, no, Drazi exploded. It's fine. We can be single for a while. Ha ha ha. No. Yeah, they're like, no, that 
No, it's the men who are wrong. God. So, uh, in, I guess it's at the office at Cindy and Max's office. Phoebe and Cupid pressure Cindy to get back together with Max because... Love. Love is what matters. Love will keep us together. Just put your faith in love because love never accepts a defeat. No challenge it can't meet. No place it cannot go. Don't say no to a woman in love. Okay, Phoebe tells Cindy that... If she doesn't get back with Max, her broken heart is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And she's just going to get sadder and sadder, which is not my experience with broken hearts. I mean, I'm pretty sure time heals all wounds. Mm. But basically, this <laughs> I wish we got the chance to actually read some Ask Phoebe articles. Because basically, she, she, she she's talking to Cindy and she's like, hey, do you want to die alone? Because this dude is literally your last chance to not die alone. So no matter how much it seems like he sucks, you better stick with it or you're going to die alone. Well, I mean, Phoebe's only in her early 20s and she's in trouble. And this woman's like almost 30. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she is she is so far past a marriageable age right now. I just I love how Phoebe's advice is, hey, just because... You hate him right now. Doesn't mean you'll hate him forever. Just push past the hate and eventually you'll love him. She tells her to push through the hate. That is terrible advice. I mean, given what we know, I guess it's fine. But in general, what terrible advice. And Cindy's like, wow, you've got a point. No, she doesn't. She absolutely does not make a good point. And she's so proud of this speech when Cindy runs off to go be with Max. She's like, wow, I'm a pretty good matchmaker. And then she tells Cupid, why do I feel like you made me do that for me and not for Cindy? And he's like, well, it takes a lot to break a heart block. Oh, God, I hate him. (laughs) So now Phoebe's got the much harder job of getting her sisters to get back with their guys. Much harder job, I say, because they're, you know, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unlike with Max and Cindy, nothing Drazi said to them was, was fake. But first we go to the hospital and we see Cindy approach Max and she brought him flowers, as you said, not roses. And she's like, I don't know why we both started acting so weird. And he's like, me either. Let's bone and have lots of children. I love you too. Let's get married. And then we see this affect Drazi the way that it has been affecting Cupid. So people boning is his weakness. No. Also, they didn't do anything to Max to break the spell on him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe getting hit by the car. (laughs) So just hit, just hit Cindy with the car. Hit Brew with the car. Hit Piper with the car. Hit everyone with cars. Uh, so back at the manor. Also, this is the second person on the show named Max. The cytokinetic kid's name was Max, too. Huh. I mean, I guess it was. Not not now. Not now. We, But uh, this is now the 2000s. But the 
as we all know, the 90s went basically until mid-2000, so right. people could still be named Max. So, back at the manor, Phoebe has called Dan and Jack, pretending to be Piper and Prue, and told them to come over, and... Did she... they just walk into the house? Because they're in the house by the time Phoebe gets there. No, no, Piper opened the door. Oh, okay. And... Piper's like, I didn't call you. And Prue's like, I didn't call you. And the guys are like, ugh, why are you always so weird and acting so squirrely? Which is a fair question. From their point of view, whatever's going on is bizarre. I mean, not just in this episode. I mean, like, the whole thing with the witch stuff. So Phoebe makes them all sit down. She's like, hey, listen, idiots. You need to start boning, morons. Oh, oh, were some feelings hurt? Shut up. Hey, hey. Does it seem like you might be, and I'm looking at my sisters here, under a spell? I mean, she basically just tells them to get over their issues. Like, none of these are actual issues, be goddamn adults. Although, to be fair, I mean, I'm genuinely not attracted to you. I'm just dating you because you're around, which is a thing that applies to both couples, is an actual issue. Yeah, yeah. And... You're definitely still in love with your ex-boyfriend is definitely an issue. Uh, Prue, by the way, in this whole scene, is giving some amazing angry bitch faces. Mm. Like, I I want to capture them for reaction gifts. They are her. It's perfect. But unfortunately, she is eventually overcome. And she's like, oh, wait, I guess I do love Dan. Or Jack, whichever one. <laughs> Whoever. I love you, Betty Cooper's dad from Riverdale. <laughs> and Piper's like, yeah, I love you, Dan. I'm sorry that I can't tell you things, but don't worry. It's not about you. It's not about Leo. It's about us. You and me. And it's... What? <laughs> yeah, because Dan, Dan's so upset because he's like, I feel like you're keeping secrets. And the secret is that you're like still in love with leo and like you said she says no it's not about you it's not about leo it's about me and you and it's like what but you said it wasn't about him and also that doesn't answer his question about the secrets at all it doesn't matter they're back together now drazi has been weakened and they're all back together so phoebe immediately kicks the dudes out of the house right and they're like oh this again this whole thing where you're all squirrely. Squirrely. Coveny. <laughs> so, yeah, Phoebe fills them in and. They have to revanquish Drazi. Mm hmm. Also, Prue points out that she doesn't love Jack because she just met him. And Cupid says, No, no, it's okay. You like him a lot. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, Cupid is not just the Cupid of love, but the Cupid of like like god because prue is pretty solid about the like whole i mean drazi wasn't wrong i'm not really all that into jack and he's like it's fine oh so drazi comes to attack the cupid because he's been feeling the attacks as people fall back in love or like like as the case may be and piper freezes him this time phoebe actually removes the ring Smart. Yep, now he's vanquished. For real this time. No! 
Not again, he shouts. And I mean, you escaped once, dude. You should have taken the W and gotten out of there. Hmm. So Cupid's like, he's definitely gone this time. And Prue's like, but you thought he was gone last time. <laughs> and he's like, no, I, I was really paying attention this time. He's gone for sure. I'm just saying, if they pulled up Arbus and he came back, I would not be surprised. Also, conveniently, when he turned into a puddle of goo, he then disappeared. So we didn't have to worry about the carpet that he was on. You were worried about that. You were like, that's going to be hell to clean for them. And then it vanished. And you were like, okay, good. And then Cupid's like, let me say goodbye to you, Phoebe. With my tongue. Most people say goodbye with their tongues. So, yes. So he jams his down Phoebe's throat. And then when she's standing there awkwardly, like, okay. He love teleports out. She's like, wow, what a great kiss. I guess. Okay, Phoebe. I guess everyone can. uh, I guess everyone can teleport. It's just a thing everyone can do. So, it's another date night, and this time they did see the Dirty Dozen, which was the, uh, which was the movie Jack talked about wanting to see last time. I think I said it was a Clint Eastwood movie. I don't know if it was Clint Eastwood. You said John Wayne. John Wayne. Whatever. Dirty Dozen is not, uh... It's a cowboy movie. Yes. So, it looks like Phoebe's alone, but, uh uh-oh... It turns out that the guy that canceled on her uncanceled on her for this movie night. And it turns out that he loves the movie Love Story. And then we never saw him again. Well, I mean, look at how Phoebe dressed for this date. She's wearing a collar that is made out of leather fringe and a pale leather blazer, a pale tan leather blazer and she has her hair tied up with leather straps what are we doing what are we doing phoebe you know who she should go out with Raphael sabarge oh yeah like that blind rich guy who had his eyesight stolen by demons when he was a kid and then they killed the demons and his eyesight came back she date him yeah and he knew she was a witch and was cool with it yeah Okay, so that happened. I feel like we were really down on this episode. Okay, the thing is, it's not a bad episode when we were watching it. When we were just watching it, it was like, you blink and it's over. It's fine. It's a fine episode. It's perfectly serviceable. I feel like I said this last time about Ms. Hellfire, where it's just like, a lot of these episodes just wash over you and very little happens. And then the deeper you look at them... The less you like them. Yeah, they, they don't really stand up for to deep scrutiny. Scrutiny is not the friend of this sort of uh, episode. Yeah, that's that's an accurate statement. So I believe that will bring us to our segments. We're going to tap into our own power of three. Our first power, of course, being the power of premonition, where we look into the past, present, and future and see which guest stars, if any, went on to do other things. Well, the uh, the guest stars in this episode were all really prolific. Bit part people. Bit part people. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen the guy who played Drazi in stuff. Uh, you definitely have seen him in something. He's been in several horror movies. He... 
also, you know, was a character on Castle. He played a client one time on Dollhouse. He played a one-time guy on Burn Notice, Mentalist, um, Bones, Weeds, hmm. Angel. Ooh, Angel. Yeah. Looping uh, in on the Buffy thing. So, I mean, uh, X-Files. So, you know, you've, you've probably, you've definitely seen this guy around. And the guy who played... Cupid? Yeah, and the guy who played Cupid is the same. You know, you've seen him play a one-off part on Supergirl, Suits, How to Get Away with Murder, Switched at Birth, Shameless. Also Bones. Also Bones. (laughs) Revenge. Yeah, like, these are utility players. You've seen them before. No one... What's funny is uh, he was on Revenge and... Oh, and also he was on Picket Fences and Beverly Hills 90210, which I mentioned because, of course... 90210 was Shannon Doherty's show. Picket Fences was Holly Marie Combs' show. Hmm. But also the actor who played Max was on... Bones. I mean, probably, right? Everyone's been on Bones. It ran for a really long time. Yeah. No, uh, specifically what I meant is he was on... Oh, he was in Legally Blonde. Yes. He was in that show that was not Revenge. Do you know what I mean? The show that came out the same time as Revenge? Ringer. Oh, oh, with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. Was that the one where... No, I was thinking of the one where she played her own twin who was trying to take revenge on her, but no, Ringer was the one... No, that's Ringer. Oh, that is Ringer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Revenge is the one where... uh, where she, where the girl goes back to her town in dis- revenge is count of Monte Cristo. She returns to her town in disguise to seek revenge on the people who had her father unjustly thrown in jail. Huh. Yeah. I think that's it for premonitions. Yeah, there were a lot of really recognizable people who never like really blew up in anything. Mm-hmm. That'll bring us to our second segment, time freeze. What really specifically dated this episode for you? I've got a big one. I think you probably do, too. Oh, is my big one the same as your big one? Probably. Probably. My, my big one is the conversation that Cindy and Max were having when we first see them. About how completely bullshit uh, Y2K was. Yes, that was mine. Yes, this is right after Y2K, and they're talking about how, hey, it looks like everything didn't blow up, so I guess, I guess there was nothing to worry about. Okay, Okay, this is such a huge misconception. The reason nothing went wrong during Y2K is because a lot of people spent a lot of time working to make sure nothing went wrong during Y2K. God, do we have to explain what Y2K was? <gasps> to our to our younger listeners? It was over 21 years ago at this point. Okay, so Y2K... There are people who were born after Y2K who are old enough to drink now. Oh my goodness. Okay, so... When the year 2000 came around, people were afraid that all computers would stop working because the clocks would reset to zero. Because all of these computers had been coded with just two numbers for the year instead of four. So after we get to 99, instead of flipping to 2000, it would flip to zero zero and it would cause... Everything to kerplode. Right. And financial markets would be thrown into disarray because the computers would lock up and we'd all lose... 
all, all sorts of information. And that didn't happen. And it didn't happen because a team of coders worked for several years, essentially nonstop, to recode everything so that that didn't happen. But since it didn't happen, everybody's like, we were all so worried about Y2K, nothing happened. There's a whole episode of King of the Hill about it, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they, they get the bunker and everything. Yeah, I guess there was an episode of a bunch of shows about it. It was a big deal. People were really worried about it, but having lived through it, I have to say that a lot of the worry was, like, jokingly worried about it. Well, it was like the Mayan prophecy thing. Yeah, right? Nobody real. Most people didn't really think the world was going to end in 2012. Most people didn't really think it would be the end of civilization. It was just something that was kind of fun to joke about. Mm. Even even before it had been successfully averted, we were already thinking it was overblown. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's Time Freeze. Y2K. <laughs> All right, which brings us to our third segment, telekinesis. What, if anything, genuinely moved you this episode? Um, okay, well, it was a very small amount of movement, but mm. I did like Jack telling Dan to slow his roll and let Piper have her secret and let her come to him when she felt comfortable letting him in. Honestly, I'm liking Jack a lot more in these episodes. What is even happening? Well, he doesn't really get to do much now that he's not an antagonistic force in Prue's life anymore. It's so... true. The less he does, the more I like him. And he's not going to be around much longer anyway, so... Eh. Which brings us to our new and final segment. Astral Projection. What made you want to physically leave your body? Oh my god, when Cupid came behind Phoebe, like it was the pottery scene in Ghost, and was like, let me guide your hand while you stir this aphrodisiac potion. Oh no, back off. No. Okay, I had a lot of Cupid moments, but I think the main thing that made me want to leave my body was Dan telling Piper that he was worried about her, you know, her weird absences and the blah, 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 Leo, blah, 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 and her speech about how it's not about him and it's not about Leo. It's about her and him and their future. And the whole, A, I feel like Neighbor Dan was a giant whiny man baby throughout this whole episode, Mm -hmm. which is weird because his fears are all very solidly founded. But maybe maybe it's because his fears feel like self-fulfilling prophecies because maybe he should work at being a better boyfriend than Leo. Yeah, you know what really makes a woman want to stay with you? Constantly whining about her ex. God, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I think that'll bring us to uh, what what are we uh, what are we looking at next time? Next episode is Reckless Abandon. The sisters must find a way to vanquish a ghost who's intent on killing all of the men in a family line, including the last male, a baby. Ooh, a baby. That's what it says. Didn't we already kind of have this with the ghost that wanted to kill all of the people who were involved in his trial in Alcatraz? I mean, that's the thing about ghosts, right? They, they're ghosts for a reason, and usually that reason is because they have people that they want to, to kill. And we get this later with one of Paige's boyfriends, uh... He was in a Romeo and Juliet, but with witches thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
his girlfriend got killed and came back as a ghost and started killing everyone in both families. That's what ghosts do, Max. Yeah, fair. I guess I guess if you're a charmed one, you're probably going to have to deal with ghosts on a pretty regular basis. And they're not all cool ghosts like John Cho was. Yeah, he was a good ghost. Yeah. That's why he moved on. See, good ghosts move on. Why are all the good ones ascended to another plane? So I guess that'll do it for this episode. Yeah, that'll do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. Bye.